Today's reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 11 through 26. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So, after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, and Jesus Barabbas, or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they all said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And all of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they all sh they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing but rather, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, his blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas to the, for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. I know that this has been a, a tough week for a, a lot of us. I know that my heart is just uh, bleeding. I, I, I watch images, and I'm a feeler. I get affected by it. Um, and today, I, I, don't, I don't pick sides. I pray for everybody. Uh, I think that... Um, Violence is just a horrible thing, and I think that people get uh, innocent people that are, are just a victim of circumstance get affected by, by wars and attacks, and so I, I pray for, for everybody. I pray for the miracle of, of what I believe, and that is that Christ is love, and the answer uh, to violence is, is love. Um, I hope that we all this week spend some time praying that people know uh, that they are loved, and that love can do some miraculous things. Um, that being said, it's interesting that this, this passage actually comes up this week. This is a passage, uh, for those of you that are, are joining us, we are going through the book of, of Matthew. Uh, we like to, to just go through uh, books, and we, we just go through them. Um, and this is a passage that for centuries has been used as a weapon. Uh, as we all know, uh, the Bible, many people have uh, cherry-picked and plucked uh, passages out to, uh, to harm people. And this is one that is probably one of the most notorious 
because of this statement right here. Uh, then the people as a whole answered, his blood be on us and on our children. It's one that has been used to blame Jewish people for centuries for the killing of Jesus. Uh, for centuries, communities, leaders, people of hate have used this passage here as a justification to repress and to hurt people. This is why we go through the books. This is why we, we delve into it. We, we, we tear these things apart. We, we go down and we put ourselves in the time and the place and we try to think about what it was that the author was actually trying to say. Because when we do that, we realize that this uh, and what it was used for is not what it was trying to say. I'm going to build the, the scene for you here. We have Pontius Pilate, who is a governor. A governor, uh, he's been called by other names, but basically what his job is from Rome is to keep the peace. His job is to keep the peace. He is in a community of people with different beliefs. Jerusalem was a, uh, a highly populated place, especially during this time. We were at the Passover. There's a lot of people here. Uh, people from outside pilgrim to this place for the holidays. You also have people that are from outsiding towns that are, have nothing to do with the Jewish faith because Jerusalem was also a place of trade, and so they were there too. But the majority of the people there were, uh, were Hebrew. Pontius Pilate comes in. He does not actually live in Jerusalem, but he comes in, and they have a stage for him. It's an elevated stage where he comes in from time to time, and he does this judgment thing. He has this judgment seat, they call it. And he sits there, and he kind of holds court but the, sometimes the court is a show. It's people know about this. They come. There's a crowd in front of them. And they want to watch out of the curiosity and also because people are uh, attracted to sometimes things that are violent. And sometimes they know that the judgment is going to lead to that. So we have Pilate sitting here. Before him is Jesus right here. His arms are bound. And he's standing before the crowd. Right over here, we have Jesus. Jesus Barabbas. Uh, it's kind of funny that his name is Jesus as well. Jesus actually was a common name at that time. Uh, there, were, there were many people. It was almost like a, uh, calling somebody Dave or John. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty common name. But in early passages early text, we see that his name was Jesus Barabbas. Shortly after that, after the church started, we see that the name starts to get omitted and crossed out because the early church did not like the fact that it was Jesus against Jesus, and they tried to eliminate that. Barabbas, believe it or not, actually means son of the father. So we have Jesus, son of the father, standing with Jesus, Son of God. Note the irony. So that's the scene. We've got these two here. We've got Pontius Pilate sitting right here. Out of the picture, we have Pontius Pilate's wife who sends a message to Pontius Pilate and says, do not do anything to this innocent, innocent person. I have 
had a dream that has just plagued me, that, is, that has harmed me, do not do anything to this person. Just like we do today, dreams affect us, and sometimes we are uh, touched by it, sometimes we are curious by it, sometimes we see them as warnings. Uh, it was very much like that in the first century for people of all different faiths, and, and the Romans were no exception. So she sees this as something that is a, a sign. And then we have the crowd. The crowd that has been uh, mixed with religious leaders where their goal is to take care of Jesus. And when I say take care, I mean kill him. As we talked about this, uh, I think about a week or two, maybe it was just last week, we talked about propaganda. They'd been spreading this propaganda. They'd been working the crowd. They'd been talking to the crowd this entire time, telling them that this person, since he came to Jerusalem, people thought, they, you know, we have Palm Sunday, they, they hailed him as a king. They thought they were getting a warrior, but since he's been here, to their eyes, as a warrior, he has not done anything. Barabbas, Barabbas is a well-known criminal. Now, we know that he was a criminal. We know that he was famous. Just like today, we have people that, are, uh, people that have been part of the law, people that have been against the law, and we have people that uh, are famous because of either side. Uh, we have criminals that have been famous. We have been people that uh, you know, have been fans of, of people that have not really acted the best, and Barabbas is no exception. He's a person that has been imprisoned for a reason. Uh, the historians, we, we know that he was either a uh, bandit, where uh, he basically just robbed people. We also uh, have heard that he was a person that uh, fought the Romans and had killed people. Uh, either way, he is a person uh, that has done some things, and he is also known from this crowd. So the religious leaders are telling him, hey, that over there, that guy there, that's your warrior. That's your warrior. This guy's done nothing. This guy's your warrior. And so they start to work the crowd a little bit. And there's Pontius Pilate saying, what has this guy done? The religious leaders say he's calling himself a king. Now this story changes from the first time that they talked with Jesus. When they talked to him in secret at night, they were accusing him of blasphemy, of calling himself the chosen one, the Messiah. But they know that this isn't going to play in front of Pontius Pilate, who is a Roman. Pontius Pilate doesn't care about whether somebody blasphemies against Jerusalem or anything like that, of Jews or anything. So they switch it just a little bit and say that this person has called themselves the king of the Jews. Well, Pontius Pilate knows that that's a little bit of a treasonous thing because you can't do that. People get killed for that. So they are working within the system, they're working within the law, and they're working within to convince Pontius Pilate that this has happened. Now, Pontius Pilate is a person that has had blood on his hands, too. He was not afraid to order Roman soldiers to go and kill people. His job was to keep the peace, and sometimes he kept the peace by killing people. But he also, there were times when, just like any person of power that has abused it, there were times when it's easy for you to sit in your throne and tell other people to go kill people, but when you're in the mix, when you're around people, you, you kind of become a little bit of a coward. And when he sees that a riot is starting... He kind of sits back a little bit. And he's done that in the past, too. So we know that he's been violent, but he also knows that he has placated the Jewish people and the people of Jerusalem because he doesn't want to get riots started. So this is your scene right here. And Pontius Pilate asked the crowd, because it is Passover, it is a celebration, that sometimes during this celebration, in order to keep the peace, they would let a criminal go. 
He looks at the crowd and he says, which one do you want? Jesus, the Messiah, or Jesus, Son of the Father? And the religious leaders have already convinced the crowd to start chanting Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then we see, as it's played out all the time in our religious movies and throughout the times, throughout the centuries, we see this zealot crowd telling Pontius Pilate to crucify Christ. And we always see it portrayed where Pontius Pilate is this innocent person saying, but he, I, this doesn't make sense to me, I don't get this, and all this kind of stuff. And he's almost played out as a saint while the people in the crowd are the villains, right? Crucify him, crucify him. But when we follow that story, we miss the point. We miss something, we, we take something that we try to make so ugly and blame a group of people when actually what is happening is something that's almost beautiful. We have to think about, we have to tear this, this apart, and we have to look at this, and we have to look at the writer of Matthew. What was he trying to point out to us? What was he trying to tell us? What was he trying to say to us? Folks, what we're seeing here is a simplistic form of, if you ever need to explain to people uh, the whole cross situation of Christianity, it's played out right here before your eyes. You can just tell them to look at this chapter. Because what's happening is Jesus, who is innocent, Jesus, who has done nothing, and we have the sinner, and the sinner goes free, and Jesus steps in for him. We see that played out. That is what's going to play out in the next couple of chapters when we see that Jesus on the cross. We see this played out. Jesus takes the bullet for the person who fired the gun. That's played out for us. It's a telltale. The writer of Matthew was trying to tell us this is exactly what's going to happen. This is Jesus' mission. Sinner goes free. Jesus takes it. Now the crowd, this whole business about let it be on our hands and our children's hands, we have morphed this into a zealot crowd of wanting Jesus to be crucified. That crowd is us. That crowd is all of us. That crowd is saying, let this man, what is about to happen, let this be on us. In other words, Jesus, who is going to die for the sins of all people, let that be us. Let that be us, the person that Jesus sacrifices himself for. Let that be us. And let it be on our children, too. The message is not that someone is to blame for the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. The message is that Christ sacrifices himself not only for the people there, but for generations to come. We are those people. The brave thing that the people in that crowd did is they owned it. They said, if we're wrong, we're to blame for this. For history, it's told us that we are all imperfect, that we are all sinners, and that Christ has taken it for all of us and our children. 
the one that is played so innocent in this is the one that I feel the most sorry for, and that's Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate does this dramatic thing where he takes a bowl and he washes his hands in front of people. He knew that the people in front of him knew that washing hands meant purity, it meant cleanliness, it meant forgiveness, it meant all of that kind of stuff. But he was saying, I'm innocent of this. While the crowd was saying, we are the sinners, while Barabbas was saying, I am a sinner, it was Pontius Pilate that's saying, I, this is not for me. I'm sin-free. I'm blameless. Pontius Pilate's role is the dangerous one for us. Barabbas knew that he had blood on his hands. The people in the crowd knew that they were sinners too. They knew that they needed protection of what Jesus was about to do, not only for them in the first century, but for generations to come, 2,000 years later, for all of us. It was Pontius Pilate that said, I don't need this. I'm sin-free. I don't need a Savior. I'm perfect. That's the dangerous role. And for centuries, while we have taken a vicious We've taken a line out of the Bible and used it so viciously and so harmfully, we have taken the role of Pontius Pilate. We have told another group of people that they are to blame, and we have said we are perfect, and we are innocent. We have misrepresented this entire passage for over 2,000 years. And it has moved cultures, communities, and it has harmed many people. The greatest thing that we can do in our lives is to own it, to own that we are part of that crowd, that we are Barabbas, that we are the people that Christ was going to the cross for. This isn't meant to be a, a guilt trip. It's not meant to be something that we're supposed to, I always hate it when you go to a, a church thing and you leave feeling worse than you did when you came in. This is a joyful thing because it, when we own it, when we own that we're not perfect, we feel closer to Christ. We know that he's there for us. We've been doing Matthew for, I think, almost two years now. If I did a, ser a, a, sermonette, a sermon series just on my sins, I'd, I could pick a new one each week. We'd be here for five years. And then I'd have to do a sermon on the ones that I committed during those five years that I was talking about the last ones. <laughs> but by owning it, by owning that I am not perfect, by owning that I am uh, vulnerable, that by owning that I am a person that is in need, I can feel that love of Christ even more because I know that I'm part of that. I know that I'm part of this story. I'm not the person that's washing my hands. I am in the crowd saying, crucify him. I'm in the crowd saying, I need him. And so do my children. There's a lot of things we can own. Our imperfections are definitely one that makes us closer to each other. When I, when I tell you that I watch the news and I am hurt by it, and I'm scared.
my hope is that brings us closer together. My hope is that by owning the feelings that I have, that we feel closer. Because I know that what I'm owning, just like in a crowd, other people feel it too. When I hear of things happening to children, I'm in that crowd saying, Jesus, be there for our child. Be there for our children. Not just for this generation, but for the generation to come. I'm there praying for everybody that we learn to love each other, that we learn to accept each other, that we learn to celebrate each other. I don't want to wash my hands of this. I want to be in the crowd knowing that I need Christ and that we need love. May we all own that and then celebrate it and then share it. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we may start out each day wanting to be perfect. If it's anything like me, it doesn't take long before we're reminded how much we're not. The more that we can be, help us to be more honest with ourselves, more honest of our, our frailties, more honest of our wrongdoings, and more honest of our, of our fragility and feelings. Help us own who we are so that we know that you're there for us, that we feel closer to you, that we, we feel your hands. And help us to share that and know that the same is for everyone. Help us to be part of that crowd. Help us to not fear that crowd. Help us to celebrate that crowd and help us to share you with that crowd. Help us to love you. Help us to love ourselves. Help us to love our neighbor. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I pray that this week, as we continue to see disturbing things and images, that we hold on to what Christianity is all about. It's about love, plain and simple. Jesus' message is not about exclusion. It's not about villainizing. It's not about picking a side, and it's definitely not about washing our hands and thinking we're perfect. It's about accepting everyone as they are because Christ accepts us for who we are. May we know that today. May we find comfort in that today. May we go out this week and share that. Go home. Hug those that are near you. And those that aren't, call them and tell them how much you love them. Spread the message of love this week and start that ripple effect because that is how we change the world. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor.